Good morning, church. Oh, you guys have been up for a while already, and that's all you got. Good morning, church. All right, there we go. Um, what an amazing opportunity to present the gospel to our friends and neighbors who don't know Jesus. Uh, I encourage all of you guys to sign up, especially for the acting and speaking parts, um, because they want me to do it. And so if all of you guys take all the spots, I don't have to. So um, I will if they need me to, but if you guys do, I can be like, hey, like, let's let our people serve our community. So um, sign up for those, go on the app, uh, get all the information. It's there for you. Um, yeah, so glad to be here with you guys. Um, I don't know if I said this already, but my name is Mitch. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, I'm so glad to be worshiping with you this morning. Um, I think we're going to continue, actually I'm, I'm positive, we're going to continue our time uh, in the book of John, the Gospel of John this week. Uh, and so if you have your, your Gospel journal, this is a great time to continue journeying with what the Holy Spirit uh, is, is showing you through your time in the text. Um, and not only here on Sundays, but I encourage you also to go on the app and sign up for uh, our, our weekly reading plan that we're giving you uh, with just some complimentary verses of how, um, how God can be speaking to you, not just on Sunday mornings, but, but every day of the week. Um, it, you don't have to be super creative to fill this up. Um, you can guys can kind of see mine. I'm just kind of a scribbler and a doodler, and so I just kind of fill the margins as the, the Holy Spirit is kind of revealing um, new things to me. Um, today, as, as Bambi read during our time of worship, we're going to be in two verses, uh, Ch- John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. And I've spent the last couple weeks um, just kind of meditating and mulling on these verses. And I think the more time I've spent in them, um, they've kind of became, or they, they've become uh, really almost a, a, a prayer to me. Um, and so as we begin our time together, um, I want to pray these two verses over us. And so would you bow your heads and, and join me um, in a word of prayer? Lord, in you is life. Father, and you are the light of men. Lord, your light shines in darkness, God, and we are grateful that the darkness has not overcome your light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So something I've discovered over the years is that as I follow Jesus, um, I experience him in different seasons of my life. And I feel like these two verses really describe uh, a season that I think my wife Anna and I are, are, are coming out of. You see, before we, we came on staff here and, and we joined the team at EV Free, um, I, me and my wife, we, we attempted to, to plant a church here in the city. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with, with Christian lingo, to, to, to plant a church, um, that essentially means that we believe that God gave us a vision for what a new community could look like in our, our neighborhood. And we believe that God was going to build that new community by establishing um, a new church. Knowing kind of how my wife and I are wired, um, we do our best ministry when we're, we're just simply living life with people. Uh, my wife um, has seen uh, just tons of fruit by, by, by simply 
coming alongside other moms in our community, by spending time at the library. And um, it's not even just that. It's even when she worked at Starbucks, um, just the relationships that, that, that she would build with people here in the community. And, and I'm very much wired the same way. Um, if I'm really going to do life with people, like I, I just feel like I have to be in the nitty gritty of life uh, uh, with them. And so um, part of our, our church planning model is that we were going to be bivocational. And so that's another church planning word, meaning that I essentially had two jobs. I had one full-time job that kind of allowed me to be in the neighborhood, to be a part of the community. Um, and that was the primary job that sustained uh, our family and provided funds to, to, to do our church. Um, but also I, I, I led our little church. And so I kind of had dual, role, dual roles in it. And the, the two roles complemented each other and they, they went hand in hand. And, and we, we did this for about four and a half, um, almost five years. And towards the end of that, we we kind of accepted the reality that our little church was, was struggling. On Sunday mornings before our services would begin, uh, I remember just pacing the street on the corner of, of Harbor and, and Wilshire, just begging God, Lord, bring people to church today. Lord, let it not just be um, me and Anna again. And there were, there were times when, you, when you're church planning where that's just the reality that, that you know, you're, you're, you're birthing something new and maybe people aren't going to show up. And so there was just this, this, this heavy anxiety of, of gosh, Lord, are, are, are you going to bring people? Partner that with the ever-increasing cost of living in Orange County. Uh, we just knew that the anxiety that we were living in and whether or not God was going to multiply our church partnered with just the financial junk of, of living in Fullerton that it was eventually, or it was getting to a point where it became unsustainable. And so we knew it, it was time to end our, our little church. But because our, our, our work in church kind of went hand in hand with each other, uh, when we decided to end our church, it also meant that I was uh, giving up a job. And so um, kind of all in one swoop, uh, we ended our church and became unemployed uh, within a week's time. Partner in the fact that we had just had our daughter, Lily. Um, here I am, churchless, jobless, with a newborn baby at home uh, with our other two kids as well. Now, I think for anybody else looking into our life, um, you might see any of the church plan as failure. Um, and I knew it wasn't, but and sometimes it felt like that. Um, you might look at that and see failure, and you might also see that and see unemployment and just think, this is just the, the, the perfect recipe for darkness or the perfect recipe for the enemy to kind of creep in um, and, and, and to do what he does by, by drawing us away from Jesus. But in this circumstance, it didn't really feel like that at all. You see, in that time, since I was unemployed, it was really hard to make ends meet for our family. And, you know, you always, or at least I would hear stories uh, within the church of, you know, people would lose their jobs and people would, you know, leave money on people's doorsteps. And I always thought, that's great, but I don't experience the love of Jesus like that. And so I don't think people really do that. But in this season, we experienced the love of Jesus in that very way. There was a time where, where, again, I was unemployed and um, just one of our sweet friends went to Costco and just loaded us, loaded us up on like a month's worth of groceries and just left it on our doorstep. And I remember my wife, Anna, sending me a picture of it, asking me if, if I had gone to Costco and left it on the doorstep. And I was like, no, why would I leave groceries on the doorstep? And if you know me, you know that, that I love all things Yosemite. And so when she sent me that photo, on the side of the box um, was a picture of Half Dome. 
I have no idea why um, Costco had that box, but in that moment, when I saw that, that, that box of groceries and I saw the thing, one of the things that is most dear to me and my wife, it just really felt like God was speaking to us and reminding us that he was for us, he was with us, and he was gonna provide for us. And in that, that simple gesture by our friends, uh, we were able to hold on to the life and the light that Jesus brings. The same goes for, for our neighbors who are in very similar situations for us. Um, we have a neighbor who's finishing up an MDiv and they have three, three kids. Um, he also works for a major university and just like us, he's trying to make ends meet with the big family in Orange County. And I remember one day he walks up to me and he gives me like one of these like handshakes and in that handshake, he, he drops a check in my hand for $300 and I'm like, dude, you, you, you're exactly where I'm at. And he's like, yeah, but I, I wanna support you guys. And, and we just believe that, 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 that God loves you and he wants to honor you. And in that simple gesture from our neighbor, we saw the, 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 the life that Jesus brings and we experienced the love that he had for us. And eventually we began to get, as we began to tell people um, that we were ending our church plant, the text messages um, began to come in. The, 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 the emails, um, people sent us postcards, Instagram messages, Facebook messages of just people speaking words of encouragement, speaking words of affirmation, speaking truth over our lives. And every time uh, we got one of those messages, we just felt that God was saying, I see you and I'm with you and I am for you. Eventually, Darren and I began the conversation of, gosh, what would it look like for me to join the team here and come on staff at EV Free? And after a couple months, Darren calls me one day and he says, hey, um, we, 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 we have a place for you. We would love for you to join our team. And I remember hanging up the phone with him and just crying, like loud, obnoxious, like booger cries in my car. I'm sure people were looking in thinking, what is wrong with this guy? But I was just so happy in that moment. And it had nothing to do with the job offer. It had nothing to do with the fact that we were going to start getting a sustainable pay, or a, a consistent paycheck. Those were all great things. But in that moment, coming out of this season, seeing all the ways that God provided for me was the clearest picture of the gospel that I had ever experienced. And in that moment, I was so grateful for who Jesus was and how he knew me, and how he saw us, and how he was going to care for us. And that's really where our, our text begins today. That in him is life, or in him was, was life, and the life was the light of men. Now the definition of light, or excuse me, of life, is the physical vitality of organic beings, the, the, the nature or characteristics of, of living things. And this is true um, essentially for anything that lives this side of heaven. Take, for example, in my office, I have a dumb plant um, named Homer J. Planterson. See what I did there? Um, and I've, I've, I grew up with lots of plants in our house. And so I, when I got my own apartment, I tried getting plants and I killed all of them, um, and for some reason, I just felt it fitting to, to try my thumb again at, at having a plant in my office. And I figured, hey, I got a great window with a great view. Maybe there's enough sun coming in from that window that would sustain the life of, of little Homer. Um, but, but over time, um, Homer began to kind of grow limp, and he 
like would, these leaves would kind of like separate. And I'm like, you don't look like the pictures of dumb plants on the internet. Uh, and so I, I figured, hey, maybe he's not getting enough light. And so I would, I take Homer outside now, maybe like once a week. And I just leave him in the sun and it's enough to, to give him um, a new sense or, or really he begins to show vitality again. Now this is, is not... Um, this is not only Homer, this is really all of us, and this can be traced back uh, to the creation account in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where it says that the earth was without form and void. So essentially there was, there was chaos, and God with his word says, let there be light. And he brings light. And light eventually becomes a thing that will sustain um, all life in, in creation, but the life that, that, that John is talking about here, the, the life that the word brings, the light that Jesus brings, is, is really so much more than, than simple vitality or, or sustainability. You see, in, in the original language, the definition of that word, life, is, is life from the source. One theologian describes it as the, the very life that God experiences. A life that always was, a life that always is, and a life that always will be. So if you're sitting in this room um, this morning, afternoon, um, you're probably experiencing a nourished, sustainable life like my plant Homer. Uh, But over time, your vitality will decrease and you, me, we will all die. But God has and wants so much more for us. You see, in the creation account, if you were to read the the first chapter of Genesis, it says man and woman were not just good, like everything else God created, but it says that they are very good. And they're really the only part of creation that literally has the breath of God breathed into them. In John 3, 16, uh, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, shall not die, but what? But receive eternal life. You see, God's intent for humanity, for humanity is that we all would experience that life and that we would always be with him. But because of the sin in the garden, the chaos and the darkness that was subdued at one point in creation has, has re-entered into the world. But now, for the second time, we see God challenge the darkness through his word, through Jesus, bringing new light and new life for all of humanity. In verse 5, it continues uh, when it says that the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, in the Genesis account, there was absence of light and life, right? We, we read that um, the, for, the earth was without for, form and void, Essentially, there was chaos. So darkness um, is the absence of light. I think that's kind of common sense-ish. I think we should all be able to figure that out. But we don't really have to think too hard about what darkness looks like in our own life or what it looks like in culture. I think it's just part of, a part of who we are. My kids every night come into my room and attempt to sneak into our bed. Why? Because they're afraid of the dark. 
I don't need to teach them that the darkness could be evil. It's just in them. It's, it's, it's a part of who they are. They are just fearful of the dark. And embedded into our existence is that that very thing, like in my boys, that darkness has the potential to be evil. We read later in in John chapter 3, we'll get there in a couple months, I think, that the light has come into the world and that people love darkness rather than light because their works were evil. For everyone does wicked things, hates the light, and does not come into the light, lest his works shall be exposed. You guys, I I, I believe that, that darkness, because of the fall, because of the garden, is so a part of who we are as humans that it's, it's, it's possible to go your whole life without ever realizing that you're living in darkness. But you see, you're only ignorant of that darkness until you know that you're living in darkness, right? Which is why Jesus enters into the scene. But when Jesus comes in, he doesn't come in to shame us or to guilt us. How many of us have that friend where, maybe this is only me, maybe just my friends are horrible, but when you use, the word, when you use a word the wrong way or you mispronounce a word or you misquote a movie, just they are so quick to jump on that and remind you of how dumb you are for using that word or saying it in the wrong way. Yeah, we all got a friend like that? No? Okay. I need to find better friends then. Um, that's not Jesus. Jesus doesn't come into the world to reveal our flaws, to reveal our brokenness, to shame us, or to guilt us. Rather, he comes into the world to show us a better way. He exposes the darkness only to draw me, to draw us into the light. Why? That I might have the life that only he gives. Now, I, felt, I feel it's important to note here that darkness is not only the sins that I do. See, all of us, um, apart from Jesus, have a sin nature within us. And these are the things that we act out on, that we do, or unhealthy habits in our life that are contrary to the life that Jesus or that God would have us live. And I think that that is one way that darkness is kind of lived out um, in, in our lives. But when, when the sin, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, it didn't just affect all of humanity. Rather, it infected all of creation. Going back to our text, um, the last half of verse 5 says that the darkness has not overcome it. That when life entered into the world again, darkness has not overcome it. When I read that, I hear that as darkness is actively and intentionally attempting to block out the light, but darkness has not overcome it. And although most of us in the room are children of the light, I believe that most of us still feel the weight, like the physical weight of the darkness. But I want to encourage us to know that we are not alone in that. Jesus himself felt the weight of darkness. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, Jesus, in fasting, in seeking the Father, in his hunger and vulnerability, we see him tempted 
in the wilderness by the devil. In John chapter 11, verse 3, we see Mary and Martha coming to Jesus saying, the one who you love is sick. And by the time Jesus gets to his friend Lazarus, he finds Mary and Martha mourning over the death of their brother. And it says that Jesus wept. In Matthew 26, as Jesus gets closer to the cross, it says that he gets away with his friends, Peter, James, and John, to pray. And the, the author describes Jesus as sorrowful and troubled. And then a few verses later, we, we see Jesus laid out on his face, begging the Father for the cup of the cross to pass from him. In Matthew 27, um, we see Jesus on the cross, and it says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then Jesus cries out again with a loud voice, and he yields up his spirit. So Jesus experienced the weight of the darkness as he lived here on earth, even so much unto death. And I'm confident that we, as followers of Jesus, that if he felt and experienced the weight of the darkness, that many of us feel it as well. I want to ask permission from you guys just to, just to be honest with, with where I'm at. Um, I want you to know, one, I, I love Jesus. I, I don't doubt his love for me. I know that he has so much in store for me and my family. But, I, but I'm going through a season of life right now where I feel oftentimes like I'm being suffocated by the weight of darkness. And I also want to assure you guys that I'm being healthy about it, that I have a therapist that I'm talking to and I have a mentor and I have a spiritual director that I'm trying to process all of this stuff too. But the reality is, is true that, that just the, the, the weight of the sin, the weight of the world in which we live in is, is becoming heavy for me. You see, over the last year, We've, we've noticed things in, in our oldest son. Um, and we always thought they were just kind of quirks or, um, you know, he's still developing and we, we never took it too serious. But over the last couple months now, um, his, his little quirks have become more and more part of who he is. Um, and he... Um, we, we decided to finally take him to a, a doctor and our, our, our doctor, our, our psychiatrist, um, diagnosed him with, with, with ADHD. That's not who he is, but this is something that we're working through as a family. Um, we don't ever want to label our son as the ADHD kid that, that, that we have to deal with or, or, or um, put up with. Um, this is something that, that he's working through and that we're going to come alongside him and work through. Um, my son is creative. My son um, is compassionate. 
My son has such a sensitive heart. My son's a learner. He, he, he loves affection. But as much as he's those things, when his brain starts firing on all cylinders, um, we lose him. And we, he becomes frustrated. And he becomes uh, irritable. And he becomes angry. And it, it's, it's hard because it feels sometimes like all we can do is watch. You see, we're, we're, we're figuring out in this, how do we, how do we parent? How do we, how do we love him? How do we come alongside him? How do we support him? How do we show him Jesus in this? But when it gets hard, I feel my, I feel my heart's getting frustrated and angry and bitter and that's when I feel, start to feel the weight of darkness. The weight of, of the sin in nature, the weight of the, the, the sin that still exists this side of creation. And I, I don't often know what to do with it in that moment. And it makes me sad. It makes the sadness turns to, to just feeling tired and being a natural, in, uh, being a natural introvert uh, makes me just want to, to pull away and, and disconnect from people. My wife included. And I feel our patience with each other growing short. I feel us becoming um, frustrated with one another, bitter with one another. And in those moments, I feel the darkness of sin wedging itself between us and our relationship. And that's just our marriage. We still have two other kids that in the midst of caring for our oldest son, who's, who's really taking up most of our attention, that we need to discover how, how do we help these other two kids know that mommy and dad love them just as much. But we just can't give them attention, the attention that our oldest requires. And in those moments, when I feel so far from God, when I feel he's so out of reach for me, he shows up. And he'll send someone into my office and that person will ask me, how's it going? Whether or not they, they intend that, um, I'm the king of oversharers. And so the moment I have them in my office, I just start to download on them all of the things that I'm experiencing. And they never walk away. They give me permission to mourn. They give me permission to vent. They give me permission to weep with them. Or there's been times up here where um, I'm just sitting up here with my wife on a Sunday morning and people will come up to me and they'll say, Pastor Mitch, how, how can I be praying for you? And again, being the overshare that I am, I'll just begin to kind of download on people all the things that Anna and I are experiencing. And, and I believe that those folks are praying for me. You see, every time one of those people shows up in my life, I... I feel like I, I get a little bit closer to Jesus again, but more importantly, when they show up in my life, I feel like they're pointing me to the resurrection. You see, in this moment, it's heavy. In this moment, it's hard. In this moment, it's frustrating. 
But when I look at Jesus and I know that he is raised and he is sitting on the right hand of the Father and that the same power that is in him is in me and the same future is for me to, to spend eternity with him, that I look forward and I long and I hold on to that. I hold on to the day that I no longer have to live under the darkness, this side of heaven, and that I get to spend eternity with the one who made a way for me out of this darkness. And I pray that for my wife and I pray that for my kids that one day they will know the hope that God has for them. And as I processed my life kind of through these verses over the last couple of weeks, um, I, I found three ways in which I respond. The first being the receiver. And I think this is that, that, that first story I kind of shared with you guys, that when Anna and I were in a really dark, or what, were in what could have been a dark season of, of ending our church plan and being unemployed, um, it just felt like God was so present, more present than we could have ever asked him for. And there were times where we just kind of like stood out and said, yes, Lord, thank you. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for providing us. We just simply received the goodness that he had. Or there's a season that we're in right now where it feels that I'm a requester, that I'm constantly crying out to God, let me see your face. Let me take hold of this promise that you have for me. And I take joy that I'm not alone in that. King David often cried out in the Psalms. In in Psalm 86, it says, Lord, listen to me and answer me. I am poor and helpless. Protect me because I worship you. My God, save me, your servant who trusts you. Lord, have mercy on me because I call on you all day. Give me happiness because I give my life to you, Lord. I find myself in seasons of crying out like that, requesting the presence of God, requesting to even see a glimmer of the goodness that Jesus has for me through the life and the light that he brings. Thirdly, there's the representatives. These are people that came into my life during these seasons and represented all of who Jesus is to us. They're the person that left groceries at our front door. They're my neighbor that gave us that check. They're all the words of encouragement that were messaged to us during that season. They're the people that come into my office and listen to me mourn and cry over, my, um, over this season. They're the people that, that come forward and, and ask me for prayer. All of these people in everything that they do, they represent as ambassadors the life and the light that Jesus has for me. And I'm so grateful for them. And I pray that in the next season of life that I can be that to people who are receiving or requesting the presence of God. Now, as I've shared my stories and I've shared kind of my postures and how I respond, I wonder how many people in this room can relate I wonder if there are people in this room um, who are simply receiving and you are experiencing all the goodness and all the joy that Jesus has to offer. And to you in that moment, I want to say, take it in. Do not feel guilty. Do not feel that there is something that you should do to be earning that. Simply receive the light and the life that Jesus has for you. 
and you're a representative. That one's a little bit different because that one requires a little bit of um, activity on that, on that person's behalf. You see, you kind of have to be aware of, of the people around you in order to know who to represent Jesus to. And maybe there's people in that room or in this room right now that are beginning to feel that sensitivity. Maybe you know someone in your life, someone in your community, one of your neighbors, uh, somebody you go to school with that you work with is going through a particularly hard season. And this is the opportunity for you to represent Jesus to them. Maybe some of you are like me. You're just crying out. Lord, let me see your face. God, help me to see you through the darkness. Lord, draw me close to you. Take care of me. And if that's you, I want to give you permission. There's no, there's no shame in feeling that. You're not any less of a follower of Jesus because you have seasons in your life in which it's harder to see him. See, the beautiful thing about the church is that all of us are going through different seasons at different times. And we get to come alongside one another during those seasons and play active parts in each other's lives. And so this morning, um, I want to invite you into the life of the church. The life of the church means we're doing life with, with each other and that it sometimes can be a little uncomfortable and sometimes can be a little bit awkward. But I know there's people in this room that, that simply need to receive from God. So I'm gonna pray. And as I'm praying, if that's you, if you're just in a place where you just feel so weighted down, discouraged, distant from God, I'm gonna invite you to be bold and to stand. And those of us who are in a season of, of receiving or those of us who are in a season of, of representing Jesus, uh, we simply want to come alongside you and we just want to pray for you. If you're standing, don't feel like you have to share whatever it is that, um, that, that's bringing you to stand. All you have to do is say, Lord, I, I, want, I want to be closer to you. So that means the rest of us will have to get up out of our seats and come around that person and simply pray. For those who are praying, um, if you want to lay a hand on that person, um, ask permission and, and lay your hand on that shoulder and just begin to pray for them. Intercede on their behalf. And maybe getting up and praying for someone is a little bit uncomfortable for you. That's okay. We'll get you there. But I ask you just to look around in the room and, and to find someone who's standing and just simply extend a hand to them. And pray for them. Pray that they would see God. Pray that they would live in the life and the light that only Jesus can offer. Let's pray.